You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Michigan State University faculty are moving closer to holding a vote of no confidence in the university's board of trustees. That's after a wave of criticism of the board's handling of the Larry Nasser sexual abuse scandal. Over the weekend, an overwhelming majority of faculty members who belong to MSU's Academic Congress voted in favor of holding the vote. That's close to 87%, according to the Lansing State Journal. A time and date for an emergency meeting of the faculty senate to hold the vote has not yet been set. But uh, we want to talk now to Anna Pegler-Gordon, who's an associate professor at the James Madison College at Michigan State University and a member of the MSU Faculty Senate about this idea of saying that that body has no confidence in the Board of Trustees. Anna Pegler-Gordon, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, explain to us uh, uh, first what that means uh, if the faculty says it has no confidence in the board of trustees. It's an unusual thing for faculty uh, to do or to even talk about. Uh, what, what, what's, the, what's the intended effect of, of that action? Well, I think that um, different faculty probably had different intentions when voting for um, the vote of no confidence. The main reason is that the handling of the Larry Nassa scandal, um, the sexual assault crisis that we're facing on campus, was extremely poor um, by the board. The Board of Trustees was really responsible for fighting the young women who came forward with legal actions, Mm -hmm. and they claimed that this was a normal legal procedure. But this is not normal. This is the largest sexual assault case in U.S. history, the largest crisis in MSU history. And then after that emerged, and there's still a lot of questions, right, about why it took so long for the board and the university as a whole to address the scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, but even after it emerged, the, the board of trustees then claimed that they were going to change, that they were going to listen to survivors, listen to students, listen to faculty. But then they went ahead and refused to listen. Um, and the immediate reasoning behind the vote of no confidence in the board of trustees is the decision to hire interim president John Engler, and particularly the process uh-huh. through which that was um, decided, because the board said that it was going to consult with all of these groups, and then they did not. Yeah, uh, that that hiring of John Engler. I'm curious about your personal reaction to that decision, uh, but but also what you're hearing. Uh, in terms of anger and and uh, anxiety, I guess, uh, on the part of, of other faculty? Um, I haven't spoken to anyone who supports his hiring, <laughs> um, but I think that part of that is uh, about the fact that he's a partisan political figure, mm-hmm. and at a time that 
the university really needs to come together to heal, a partisan political figure is not the best person to lead the university. But most of the concern is about the process through which he was hired. Uh, Faculty on the steering committee were invited to speak to the board of trustees and to express what they felt was most important for the university to both heal and also to provide justice Mm -hmm. to the survivors of, um, you know, Larry Nassar. And they expressed their um, perspective very, you know, extensively and learned very shortly after that from news media that um, the decision had already been made. And so it really looks like the Board of Trustees is just using faculty and students and survivors to, to sort of appear that they're listening, but they're not listening to uh, the community members and uh, of MSU. Right. Right. Um, uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Anna Pegler-Gordon, an associate professor at the James Madison College at Michigan State University, a member of the MSU Faculty Senate. We're talking about uh, that Faculty Senate deciding to vote uh, on whether to, to have a vote of no confidence in the university's board of trustees in the wake of how it has handled the Larry Nassar sexual abuse scandal, and the selection of former Governor John Engler to be interim president there at MSU. Uh, we are talking about governance of uh, MSU, U of M, and Wayne State, which in this state uh, says that uh, the, the the boards who manage those universities are elected in statewide votes. Uh, Is that the way we ought to be governing our largest and most prestigious public universities, the research institutions here in the state of Michigan? Uh, Should we be thinking about another way to do it? Is the Larry Nassar scandal uh, a sign of a larger dysfunction in the governance of these universities? We're going to talk about that for the rest of the show. If you want to uh, join the conversation, uh, give us Give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your uh, put your co- comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, uh, Anna Pegler-Gordon, before I let you go, I want to ask you that question about governance at uh, MSU and U of M and Wayne State. Um, are you comfortable with the way that we do that through statewide vote? Do you think that's giving uh, the university, uh, your university in particular, the kind of governance that it needs? Or should we be thinking about a different way of doing it? That's a great question. Um, I think that there are two questions around governance. The first is the question of the statewide vote. And that should be considered I believe, but of course, we are a public university, and we should be accountable to Michiganders, you know. And we re- we teach uh, students from across the state, and so I can absolutely see why we have a statewide election. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's also the question of governance within the university, and right now, that's where faculty are focused, trying to make sure that. Uh, you know, members of the board who have said sorry to survivors um, 
but sorry only means something if you change your behavior. And there's no evidence that um, this board has really changed anything about its behavior. Right now, we're really focused on making the board accountable to survivors and to the university members. And that's where our sort of attention is focused at the moment. And we are, actually, we did just hear that we have scheduled the vote for next Tuesday. Um, so that will be going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anna Pegler-Gordon, Associate Professor at James Madison College at Michigan State University, member of the MSU Faculty Senate. Thanks for joining us here on Detroit Today. Thank you so much for caring about this issue. Absolutely. So as we were just discussing, Michigan's three largest universities are governed by elected boards, trustees at Michigan State University, regents at U of M, and governors at Wayne State are all chosen by voters in statewide elections. Now, in the wake of the Larry Nassar sexual abuse scandal at MSU and the fallout, conversations are really starting to swirl about that governance structure. Is it the right way to run a university, any university? And did that model contribute to the scandal that saw hundreds of women and girls sexually abused at Michigan State University. There are now multiple proposals in the state legislature to change the way those boards are selected. Detroit Today producer Jake Neer recently spoke with Republican State Representative Jim Runstad about his proposal to overhaul university governance in Michigan, which would elect board members by district. There's a proposal now to have the uh, governor appoint the regents and, and the board. Uh, I also had asked my staff to put in a uh, request to have the individuals elected by a district rather than statewide because uh, the cost of being able to run for one of these positions statewide is, is cost prohibitive. Uh, how many people can afford to you know, put in hundreds of thousands of dollars you would need in a statewide campaign to be you know, viable to win one of these? Whereas if they were by district, then you could break them into districts and make it much more doable in terms of the a good person who really wants to do the right thing at the university could get their message out in a local or smaller area and actually get elected. Or the alternative plan was to have the governor appoint them. I think my preference would be to elect them by district uh, just because you may have a good or bad governor who was uh, doing the job or not doing the job, but if they were elected by districts, then it would give uh, the average person a, an ability to vote for those regents or trustees. So is the idea that the entire state of Michigan would be sort of divided up the same way that the legislature is divided up by these districts and it, you'd have sort of a regional representation throughout the state? Is that, is that the idea? Yes. Yeah, you'd, you'd break it up by regions so that you'd have individuals that were elected from different regions within the state. Now, obviously, they would be bigger regions than in the state house because there's not that many mm -hmm. of these uh, trustees. But at least it would give you a much better chance of actually being able to get elected if you really have the passion to go out there and meet people and go to events and spend some of your money. It's much more doable if it's a 
smaller district as opposed to the entire state of Michigan. Yeah, so so regardless of the way that this happens, it sounds like you are one of those that believes that an overhaul of some sort needs to happen. Talk about why that is. What What is it about this time in Michigan's history that this is when we need to reconsider the governance of our major universities? Well, I think that uh, far too often the people who get into these positions are people who have some political influence and and that was what has got them into these positions as opposed to a person with maybe a background that if the if there really was a contested uh, election in a district for these races would be uh, much more uh, i would say qualified i mean we have football players and we have have a construction guy and um, you know maybe people that really have a passion for the overall uh, direction of the university. I just think we would get a better crop of candidates. When it comes to the the specific example we're hearing a lot about now at MSU, do you think that your proposal or any of the alternative proposals that are out there right now would have prevented a situation like the Larry Nassar sexual abuse scandal? You know, it, it you know, I think it would in the regard that the trustees would be I think more receptive to what the voters are are wanting from them when it's such a massive money game to try to win a statewide election that very few people enter into that arena simply because it it seems to be an, an anointing from the top that these individuals have political pull to get the anointing and then they get the almost automatic nod into these positions. I would much rather have them go out in in a district and account for their behavior. The board giving the president of Michigan State University a raise in the midst of this Nasser uh, catastrophe was mind-blowing to me. That was the, the first thing that I thought, my gosh, what, what about the optics of this? You know, there's 14 officials that said that they were told about this Nasser case over long periods of time. So either she knew and didn't do anything or she didn't have policy, uh, policies in place to be informed about something that she absolutely should have been aware. And they said, well, that's that's fine. We'll just give her a big raise. And then um, when she finally does resign, uh, which they were saying they have full faith and credit in her, and they gave her a gigantic uh, golden parachute on her way out, um, I don't think she did do a good job. And I think the board has not done the, the due diligence and uh, the proper oversight that they they should have been doing. And I think it's just arrogance. They just became arrogant over time. I mean, you look at uh, Ferguson's comments, how over the top. I just I just couldn't believe that this guy would say, well, this NASA thing, you know, we spent five minutes on that in a three-hour meeting, and, you know, we got bigger fish to fry. You know, what kind of a, uh, a message is that to these victims who uh, are going to be scarred for life, and he's got bigger fish to fry, and you know, I don't know what his, his other agenda items were, but that should have been the number one big King Kong and mm. the agenda item to get resolved. Yeah, you're, you're talking about MSU trustee Joel Ferguson and his comments, yeah. Uh, exactly. It, so, you know, this is one example of a problematic 
university board, at least that's what the faculty at MSU is now saying and, and critics are saying. Uh, but it sounds like you, you believe that there's something more fundamental about this, that it, it needs immediate change in a more fundamental way, not just addressing one specific example. But can you provide other examples of, of problems that have cropped up? Is this the singular example that you're looking at, or are there other problems you've seen in the past? No, I, I've, I've, uh, my big issue, I have a bill in now, which I tried to get in, and a boilerplate language last year is to have the universities report their legal expenses to the legislature. We are paying the bills, and they're saying, well, you can pay the bills, but you have no right to find out what we're spending the money on. Well, I disagree 100%, transcending even the Nasser case, where they apparently hired a firm that uh, was not there to investigate what was going on, but to cover for the university, and they produced two reports, one for the the parents and the and the victims uh, that said, hey, everything looks good, and another one for the board that said, hey, his practices are suspect. That's the kind of thing that I think the legislature would be very interested in knowing about. Uh, the original concern I had was on free speech. The universities, many of them, not all, but many of them feel they have the right to violate the Constitution, violate the rights of, of citizens in Michigan, and if you have a problem with that, you, the student, can't sue the university that has all these uh, high-paid attorneys to defend the university, and then should you prevail and win, well, then they'll use the taxpayer dollars to pay off uh, uh, the uh, uh, the losses. Well, I would like to know about all that. They say we, we as citizens have no right to know. What, when are they being sued? What are they being sued for? Uh, what is the cost to defend the lawsuit? What is the, the cost to settle these suits? We should not find any of that out. We just need to keep quiet and keep paying the bills. Well, um, I have a bill in uh, that I put in last week that I think will uh, will have uh, support in the legislature. We had a, a, a large number of co-signers. So I think we're going to start unearthing uh, some of these issues that are going on with these trustees and how they are spending taxpayer dollars. And this is the kind of thing that needs to come to the light of day. We need more transparency. Do, do you have any sense of, of whether you think anything needs to be done about the length of terms for trustees, these long eight-year terms? Is that is that an issue in your mind? It is. I have seen no reason to have an eight-year term for a trustee. It was something along the lines of four years would be sufficient so they could come back to the voters and say, hey, here's what I've been doing. Here's uh, how I justified my position. Uh, here's what I intend to do going forward. Uh, eight years is way too long for a trustee. You don't think that insulates them in some ways from the political pressures that exist? Because, you know, j- judges are elected to eight-year terms as well for that very reason. I, I don't uh, equate the uh, the trustees with the judges. I, I, would, uh, I would say those are distinctly different uh, positions. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the trustees need to be out there um, in the public. They need to be justifying the decisions they make and Eight years is way too long uh, to go to try to bring them to account. That was Republican State Representative Jim Runstad speaking with Detroit Today producer Jake Neer about his plan to overhaul the way we select university boards here in Michigan. Up next, we are going to talk with an expert in higher education governance about how other states do this. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. David in Rochester, Jackie in Dearborn, Rob in Farmington Hills, Earl in Oak Park. We will get to you next. We'll be right back on Detroit Today.
You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're used to voting for trustees, regents, and governors to oversee our three major research universities in Michigan, but that is not how most states handle the governing bodies of their public institutions. So how do other states handle these boards, and what are the pitfalls of creating a governing body to manage the high-level work of major universities. Joining us now to talk more about how other states do this is Eric Kelderman. He's a senior reporter who covers state policy, the future of public higher education and accreditation at the Chronicle of Higher Education. Eric, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, thanks. It's great to be with you. Yeah. So as I said, uh, Michigan is an unusual state in the sense of electing uh, uh, governing boards for these big research uh, institutions. Um, People here seem now to be talking about the idea of an appointed board. Uh, by the governor. Uh, One of my frustrations with the conversation is that it's being presented as a binary choice, right? That it's one or the other. My sense, though, is that states have a number of different ways of doing this. Sure. Well, yeah, you are you are in the uh, in the minority in terms of elected boards. There are uh, there are just three other states that elect uh, members of their of their governing boards, um, Colorado, uh, uh, Nebraska and Nevada. and in most states, the way it works, I guess there is, a, there is some variety, but in a lot of states what happens is uh, a governor or some members of the state legislature uh, have some say in, in appointing those boards. Uh, there are some mixed systems. Uh, for instance, um, North Carolina and Maine come to mind where you might have a, a statewide uh, governing board and then uh, local boards that that help manage the uh, the local campus. So you have a big system in North Carolina, uh, sixteen institutions, I think, and each of those has sort of a local advisory board that helps helps oversee the campus. Uh, mm-hmm. Similar sort of system in in Maine, very much smaller system. Um, uh, and then there's some there's some hybrids, uh, some some uh, unusual places like um, Rutgers, which has at least nominally two two governing boards. Although I think one is more sort of a uh, much more of an in, serves in more advisory capacity, uh, and then uh, places like, for instance, Penn State, which sort of uh, has has some members of the board that are appointed by elected officials. Some are actually appointed by by the other members of the of the, of the trustees mm-hmm. uh, and alumni. So that's that's sort of a big picture view of it. Yeah, uh, the the the. the... The idea here, the imperative, I think, in people's minds is accountability, right? The idea that these are public institutions using public dollars, uh, and we want them to to feel as though they have a responsibility to to voters and, of course, to the people that they serve on campus. Um, Is is there a sense that there's a preferable way to, to make sure that that accountability exists and and functions the way it should. Is there uh, thinking that that appointments are better than elections, or or vice versa? Well, I, I mean, let me say this: that uh, when you look nationwide, and I talk to a lot of folks in higher ed, a lot of those folks actually sort of uh, look to Michigan as an example of a place <laughs> uh, where they they uh, they uh, sort of tout the autonomy that Michigan and Michigan yes. State and Wayne State have. They. Uh, you know, higher education institutions wish they were in some ways freer from the elected uh, oversight of, of uh, elected officials uh, in terms of uh, 
setting their policies, tuition, things like that. Um, you know, in terms of the accountability, appointed boards uh, still have issues with with the same the same dynamic, really. I mean, oftentimes these boards are appointed to uh, you know a certain term, and then the governor can't necessarily replace those folks without really good cause. So uh, you know, we would have to have some misbehavior on the board of a uh, on, the, on the part of a trustee member to to sort of you know throw them out of office. This was an issue in in Kentucky a couple of years ago when the governor uh, decided that he wanted to replace the whole board because of uh, some misbehaviors that had happened there. And uh, he ran into, you know, some legal trouble uh, on that front. The, the state Supreme Court and the state attorney general opposed that. And and the governor had to take a new tack and get some legislation passed. And so it's not always so easy to say, well, we've got an appointed board, and when they when they goof or when they screw up, uh, the governor can just throw them out. That's that's not really how it works in most cases. Sure, sure. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones to join the conversation. We're talking about governance of our large research universities here in the state of Michigan. We're talking with Eric Kelderman of the Chronicle of Higher Education about how other states do it. 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Suzanne on Facebook says, how many of us know who these people are when they are running for the board of trustees of a university? To be honest, I typically vote for somebody with a minority-sounding name. If it's a woman, or it seems likely they may be African-American or Hispanic, I'll vote for them. I don't know who these people are. Maybe there's a better way. Let's go to the phones. Jackie in Dearborn. Jackie, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you very much. Sure. Go ahead. Well, I uh, was on the board of governors of Wayne State University, and I feel that at that time we did a very effective job, and I am very satisfied with the way that um, the uh, elected boards are selected at this time. And and do you think when you were on the board, did you feel accountable to the people of the state of Michigan? Yes, you know, I listened earlier, and um, when I was campaigning for this uh, seat, I went all over the state. I did not just campaign in Detroit. Mm -hmm. I was all over the state. I talked to um, newspapers uh, across the state, trying to get my word out about what I wanted to do. It's surprising that even up in Traverse City, when I was there, the editor of the paper wanted to know why I was there. Um, because he felt that this was a, a board where only Detroiters could vote. Uh-huh. So I was doing some education while I was out <laughs> campaigning. Right, right. Wow. And uh, I, I do want to say that it, it, I am very unhappy about what has happened at um, Michigan State. But just because of that uh, disaster there, I do not believe that we should have a massive change. Yeah. It is good for us to look at what's going on, but I do not believe that uh, just because of what happened there that the other universities need to change. Okay. Let's take care of what's going on at Michigan State, take care of that disaster and those trustees, and let us continue the same way we've gone on. Okay. Uh, Jackie, thank you very much for the call. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for injecting that great First-hand knowledge of how this works uh, into our conversation. Uh, let's go to Rob. Rob in Farmington Hills. Welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, hi. How are yeah. you doing today? Good. How are you? Oh, great. Thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, my, I uh, have two daughters at Michigan State. I'm also a Michigan State alumni, as uh, well as my wife. 
And uh, just a, a few comments and a suggestion. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we've heard from uh, Michigan State Professor Pegler Gordon, mm-hmm. uh, and you know she is an expert in the area of politics. Clearly, uh, there are experts on the faculty, psychologists, doctors, lawyers, sociologists, business leaders, and I think that there needs to be some voice of these faculty members. These really. Uh, bright minds and creative people sure. uh, that are really the strength of the university on that board of trustees. So uh, possibly there's a, a room on the board for a faculty appointed representative. Huh. And also there are 50,000 students right. at that university right. and uh, they, they really need to have a voice yeah. uh, more than just uh, people uh, pulling uh, a lever at the voting booth. Right. Uh, Rob, great suggestions. Uh, thanks f- uh, for the call. Eric Kelderman, my yeah. my knowledge of other universities uh, suggested that some places try that. I think there are student representatives on some I, of those I, boards, for instance. I think um, on most boards there are there are a member of the uh, some some somebody from the student government or a student appointed uh, representative and also a faculty representative sometimes uh, a staff representative who is not a faculty member as well. So mm-hmm. those folks often do have positions on the board. They're not always voting positions, right? right. Uh, but they're there to you know to advise and give feedback on the perspectives of of those folks. Uh, if I could too, I, I just sure. want to say that you know one one potential downfall that we've seen in terms of the appointed boards as well is uh, politicization. Uh, if if a governor comes into office and and appoints. For instance, people who are simply close to him, right. uh, maybe donors or or folks who are uh, politically well connected, but but may not have any real knowledge uh, of higher education or or the issues. And and if those folks continue to be, uh, you know, uninformed or or don't don't take their jobs seriously in terms of really uh, educating themselves about their role and and the responsibilities, and that can that can lead to significant problems as well. Yeah, you know, I know that in uh, the state of Wisconsin right now, uh, there's real concern and a, a very robust conversation going on about the effect of political influence over the universities. I don't know if it has to do with board appointments, but uh, but the governor there, Scott Walker, uh, has made real changes to the way that uh, the, the university operates, uh, to the funding and things like that. And that does raise that question about uh, the, the 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 sort of overlap of politics and these kinds of uh, these kinds of decisions. Right. It's always about striking a balance between um, you know political representation and and sort of uh, autonomy. Right. Mm-hmm. Autonomy from those issues. The the if you talk to to folks who are in the governance world, right. The the trustees' first goal is always to be the you know the guardian of the institution, the fiduciary right. guardian, to look out for the institution's sort of bottom line, as it were, um, and and take care of the big picture issues. Um, and if you have uh, you know political or partisan concerns that creep into that, then uh, sometimes it appears that those that isn't the case. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Eric Kelderman, senior reporter at the Chronicle of Higher Ed. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit today. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Sure. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Just a note, uh, the Dow opened 
down more than 500 points. But as of right now, it's now up again, I believe, is what's happening. Up and down all day. People will keep an eye on that as it unfolds. All right. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. The program director is Joan Isabella. The technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Our associate producers are Ziad Butch and Gus Navarro. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bobian. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.